Welcome. I hope you enjoy the conversation you're about to see between me and another comedian about religion and comedy. These are conversations I'm calling Disorganized Religion. God bless. And for those atheists out there, may nothing await you after this life. Welcome to another edition of Disorganized Religion. I am your host, as always, Seth Lawrence. And this episode, I, uh, it's, it's a real treat and a real pleasure to introduce to you an international comedian, a guy who's performed literally all over the world. Uh, he's also on Netflix. You can see him on uh, on Kevin Hart Presents and um, trying to remember that other show that you were on. Hold on. I've got it. The comedy lineup. It's on the comedy oh, yeah. lineup on Netflix. Oh, yeah. uh, he was also a new face or a fresh face in 2017 uh, with JFL, the prestigious and premier comedy festival in the world. The one, the only, the mighty J.R. de Guzman. Dude, hello! Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Great Absolutely, intro. this uh, this has been in the works for a couple weeks now. We mm-hmm. finally got all of our ducks in a row, and yeah. uh, and we're here. We're doing it. I'm excited to be here. It makes it more special when we keep <laughs> changing the day. Yeah, right. Just for us. I mean, none of the viewers or listeners will have any idea of the background. No, what we're talking that, about? Like, no, I don't. It. They didn't experience any of this. It's more for no. us. No, I've, I've, I should have, I should have been preempting this with like little teaser, you know, announcements. Yeah. Jr. And the fans uh, could be like, "When is it going to happen? Oh, right. it's canceled! Like, no, no. Like, like, is it really going to happen? When then it happens? Right. And now crowds have they've just been waiting since yeah. you know yesterday at four p.m. They lined up outside their own homes uh, to listen it. to it. I could see uh, it. <laughs> dude, what has been going on for you? recently uh, anything anything exciting anything you need to get off your chest well to get, get present like you know updating like very present in the moment well one first of all i got this matcha latte that's like the best matcha latte i've ever tasted okay um, so what is matcha matcha it's like a green tea okay and it allows me to make a cheesy joke every time i order it and they're like dude would you like some sweetener i'm like not so matcha <laughs> <laughs> and then, does it get then, them every time Every time they don't laugh, every time, <laughs> and I still do it. Yeah, I, I still do it every time. You know, I think every stand-up set we should have a little joke just for us. Yeah, like that you, you know? know for sure won't work, but you enjoyed writing it. Right. Well, I mean, even if it does or doesn't, but it's for you. You know, it's yeah. for you as the performer to kind of be like, I don't, I don't care yeah. if it works or not. But this one's for me, guys. This oh, bombing me. on stage has allowed me to have the freedom to like, I don't care about bombing off stage now. <laughs> like when I'm bombing off stage, I'm like, this doesn't hurt me. Yeah, yeah. So is it worse bombing in private, like on a date, let's say, or is it worse bombing on a stage? Oh, man, that's hard. Actually, yeah. Okay, I take back everything I just said. I'm a liar. <laughs> bombing on a date. Yeah, that still hurts. Yeah, does it? That still hurts. <laughs> <laughs> what was your worst date bomb? Story, oh, well, let's put them know, both joke. together. My worst yeah. date bomb was bombing at a show that was a first date. Oh man! <laughs> like, like an idiot. I think I was like three or four years in. Uh huh. And I was uh, barking in a way, like I was going out promoting the show, flyering. That's a better way to say it. <laughs> sure. And this girl that I met at a Chili's. So the way that we would bark was sure random people but going into a business where the person can't escape you they have to be at their place of work and i would go in and say hey we really love this chilies 
and we want to support you guys by giving you guys like discount two for one tickets uh, to a comedy show. And, you know, I think that'd be great. So this girl that I met there, I thought she was cute. And um, like, we kind of had some good banter and just like, oh, I could tell you're a comedian because you're just so charming. I was like, I think I got a shot. It's like, well, nice. you know, come to the show. And she came to the show and brought a uh, friend. Yeah. And I bombed so hard. I invited her to a show that I was hosting. Oh, first of all. big yeah. mistake. That's tough. Because right? no one even sees you as a comic on the show right <laughs> yeah you totally are no you are right and, but you have a different job like your job as a host is not to murder the room no like and it's it's a pretty hard job to murder the room as a host but some people are so good at it and it's very yeah. impressive like they just warm up the crowd and the crowd almost like misses them when they leave like oh that guy was good right but don't you is there part i don't know i've heard there there are hundreds of different theories on stand-up hundreds of different theories on how to host properly. One theory that I've heard is that if you host and you're like the best one on the show, you have failed as a host. You actually That's did not do your job. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I can see that. I can see that. Like, well, like you said, there's many philosophies, I guess. And going with that one, it's like your job was to set up the other comics, specifically the headliner and so right. if you're you're taking away the show, it's not really about you. But I do know that I think the UK style, it's like the two, let's say like most paid or like most respected spots are hosting and headlining. Yeah. Instead of like feature and headliner. Right. Because the host, I think, comes back like there's they have an intermission. And I think the host does a set before and after intermission. And then it's the headliner. Oh, okay. Because it's their job to really like, if any of the other comics suck, it's their job to like be the glue of the show. So, right. I guess it just right. depends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the host, it, it is a very fine line because you need to be likable. You need to get the crowd on your side and ready for comedy. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you go up and necessarily have to bomb as a host. Yeah. But yeah. it's not like you come off there being like, man, I'm going to sell, I'm going to push some merch tonight, guys. Oh, yeah. If you're pushing merch as a host, you're totally an asshole. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? Right. Yeah. Right. But there is that fine line where you want to be liked, you want them laughing, but you don't want them necessarily to be like, well, I can't wait for that guy to come back, you know? And I don't know how you do that. Cause I thought about like it before where it's like, do you, Let's say you're like, do you purposely tone it down or is it like you purposefully, I don't know, like keep bringing up the headline? You know what I mean? I think there's some people right. who, who know how to do that better. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think it's all, all of it is just practice, you know? Yeah. Um, well, so yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say to cap off that story, that girl and I, oh, it was no. funny because we were like kind of hanging out before that date. Like we, I, I think I hung out with her for like a lunch or something. Uh-huh. After that show, it's this is where I realized bombing in front of a person is just such a big like their impression of you. Their first impression <laughs> of you is so important, right? Because I I bombed, and then it was just so different after that. Like I would text like, "Oh, do you want to go to the river and hang out?" Or like, you know, I'm like kind of busy. And, oh no! Like, and then like, or it's like where we used to hang out alone. It was like, oh yeah, yeah like can my sister come? And I'm like, why? Yeah. Oh, to be there. Yeah. Interesting. And a sister was older or younger? I think older. Okay. Yeah. So like a chaperone almost. Exactly. Yeah. Just make sure like after seeing how like how many people don't like you when you're on stage. Right. Like, I, think I need to make sure that you're normal and right. Oh, that's so brutal. And as a host, it's not 
Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you bomb. I don't like you can definitely bomb as a host, but if the rest of the show, and this is what this is what I think lay mm-hmm. people don't quite understand, is if the rest of the show was good, was the rest of the show good that you hosted? Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that show? Yeah. Yeah, I don't even think that happened. <laughs> All right, well, maybe maybe you did bomb. I was going to try to throw you no, a little lifeline. No one else no, knows I appreciate what happened. It, but no, the rest of the show was bad, too. And it wasn't like a full show. So it's yeah. now you just look like a guy who like like doesn't do this. Do you know if that makes sense? Yeah, or doesn't you know? do it incredibly well, which is yeah, which might have been true for that time. You know, I mean, you know, four years in, everyone I think considers all of us who are like I'm about four years in right now. I'm. Yeah. I hope people still well, consider you seem, me. You seem new. to be doing pretty well for four years in. You know. Well, thank you, thank you. But Not you know, they say like seven to ten, us. right? Is before like when you really start kind of hitting it, I guess. Sure. So yeah. Yeah. Like, like pacing wise. Okay. So I have a question for you. Cause yeah. like pacing wise, you know, do you have benchmarks of like where you want to be at certain points? And then mm-hmm. is that based off of certain careers that you're like emulating in a way? Is that how you work <laughs> at all? Uh, I mean, I've definitely been goal oriented, right? You can tell uh, my, oh yeah my look at these degrees repertoire behind me uh so i was a lawyer in a past life and i'm now stay-at-home dad slash stand-up um, so much everything about that seriously. it's so great it's been really great. from my heart yeah yeah thank you yeah it's it's what happens when you marry up you know um, nice so there is definitely a goal mindset that i have about it and i don't know that i necessarily look at benchmarks so much as like the next kind of goal but maybe that's the same thing and we're just getting into semantics you know sure um so like my next goal or benchmark for me is um it's a dry bar special i'd love to get 25 minutes down in a dry bar special get some is is dry bar 25 i think they are now around 25 to a half hour that's perfect they moved from the full hour down i think that's smart yeah in my opinion but it's yeah. always changing so yeah yeah it is i think they saw this more kind of consumption culture happening in short bursts mm-hmm. so they thought why compete with the netflix and others that are putting out a full hours yeah and just do kind of a comedy central special format. it's a smart yeah. business thing it's like rather than trying to compete it's just set your own market yeah be the best be the best at this niche Right. Well, and you're hitting, you know, twice as many people, right? Say you have a budget to do, uh, you know, certain number of comics at an hour. Mm -hmm. Uh, Theoretically, I think you double that by shortening the special, you know? Yeah, I know. And I ask a lot of people now, are they watching the full hours? Like not even comics, but are you watching the full hours? Is that a thing? And is that how people are digesting and finding comedy now? I I don't know that it is. Yeah. So uh-huh. what is your experience? I mean, have people in in your uh, polling career, are you finding that mm-hmm. people are watching a full hour or what are they doing? Well, someone that I was talking to recently, I, I was, most people were saying no. And then uh-huh. like, they'll find them off of clips. Yeah. Which is just the opposite of an hour special. Right. I'll see like a 30 second clip and like, oh, I love this person. Right. After watching what, two minutes of their entire, like four minute, four 30 second clips. Yeah. two minutes of what their content is so you know that changed a lot for me philosophy wise mm. as far as like is the hour special still what i'm aiming for 
it is classically but i don't know but um so yeah so i don't know but then this girl i was talking to recently said that she does watch them and um and and like she'll put them on while she's like cleaning or something like in the background so sure which is which is exactly how we want to be consumed. yeah yeah when i'm when i'm performing <laughs> recording the hour special that i've worked years on yeah and maybe i put some of my own money or like a production company is really banking on me right to make sure that somebody has something to just like tune out to it's <laughs> right? white noise like they could choose my special uh, or just like rain the yeah sound of rain yeah exactly i mean what's the difference you know uh <laughs> yeah, unbelievable yeah that's so uh it's true though the yeah. other aspect of this clip kind of culture that youtube has really inspired is mm -hmm. you'll get snippets that don't and i think you sort of alluded to this but it doesn't give you the full picture of the comic so sure. to really put this into perspective you know you think about watching uh a bill burr on like a late night you know yeah. where he's doing his late night set which has to be clean ish yep. for tv yep. and then he's in an interview setting which is great but you know most of the time it's just the host setting bill up for it's, a joke it's like alley-oop bits yeah right i'm not saying bill burr is not talented i'm just saying that that's in exactly that... what you're saying on here <laughs> and i want the record to show that seth is disrespecting uh, bill oh. there's a beef and it started here man if I'll tell you what, if it were, <laughs> if I were important enough for that to matter, I would love that already. You know, um, hey, man, my point special. is though, that people watch Bill Burr, like my father-in-law watched Bill Burr in that scenario and mm -hmm. was like, oh, I love him. And then watched the special and was shocked that really? it was so different, you know? Hmm. Uh, and I think we've seen this, not just with like personal people, but you look at the White House Correspondents Dinner when they invite Michelle Wolf and they're like, yeah. oh what was this? And then they mm -hmm. get Bill Burr on Saturday Night Live. And he yeah. has a set that I think is phenomenal. Same. But in the room, it didn't seem to play very well. So, it's... you know, that makes me wonder, like, right, there's the two ways, because I was very, very clean for like most of when I started. And I think the last maybe three years, I sort of dived into just like, whatever I want to talk about, I'll do. Sure. I mean, I don't know, because as you saw, I think I did like just dirty songs when I came on. <laughs> yeah. But the, the thing I did for Netflix was clean. The thing I did for Comedy Central was clean. And I had yeah. a philosophy to it, too. I was like, if this is the first thing that a bigger audience will see, I want it to reach a more general audience. Yeah. And because um, even back then I had dirty stuff in my act. But we're kind of like what you were mentioning with like Bill Burr being on SNL or Michelle Wolf being on there. And then like you're getting a. Like that is them, yeah. But they booked them, maybe seeing another context of them. I wonder, like, is the philosophy for me or anyone else to like to be able to adapt to a bunch of different things, or mm. is it to just be a hundred percent you and be booked for that and have people know you really well? You know, like let's say like Tim Dillon or Andrew Schultz, because people know them in a long form platform, like right a podcast. Sure. And so they kind of have an idea of their personality when they book them. There's no surprises when they say that. And there's no reason to be like, I'm going to cancel them because they said this. Right. Because that's like, you just, you know, that's, that's what they are. Yeah. You know, versus, I mean, this is so different, but like, a, a, like Cosby shocked the world. <laughs> that's a different example, but yes. I can't think of another one on the top of my head of like, <laughs> of just that sheer, such a bad example. sheer dishonesty from the get go. <laughs> 
but you know what I mean? I should do something that's not sexual assault. Uh, um, I'm trying to think about anything that, uh, well, maybe Your examples Shane, were good. Maybe Shane Gillis. Gillis. Maybe Shane yeah. Gillis to an extent, right? Where yeah, it's like yeah. he has his stand-up, which is not PC. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we tailor things for an audience uh, pretty yeah. frequently. And then yeah. he's on a podcast, which is free for, and his own podcast. It'd be one thing if he were a guest, I think. Mm-hmm. But when it's his own and it's a free form, just let's talk about whatever podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's right. It's kind of tough. I mean, maybe another example is like a uh, 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 Tony Hinchcliffe or mm-hmm. if you go to, which is like super recent and maybe even mm-hmm. super inside. Um, yeah. But let's, I don't know that. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I'm not sure. You can even back up to like a Louis C.K., right? It's like Louis C.K.'s comedy was not ever wholesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, very talented comedian, prolific comedian. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of like, oh, it comes out that he's masturbating in front of people, arguably with consent, arguably, yeah. you know, sort of a forced consent, I guess, in some ways. Mm-hmm. Are you really surprised, though, given what he was joking about? Mm-hmm. for a decade sure well even, i don't know or like in that one yeah it's funny because that one has a lot of like gray areas where it's like there was consent but it's also the like invisible lines of like dominance or hierarchy and so right. that one's like yeah it's a weird one i i just to throw that in there but i don't have like a super specific take on it yeah but but another comic example is like um not assault wise but like <laughs> like nikki glazer yeah, she has like the long form stuff, and yeah, is very much like her on everything she's on, and is able still able to do late night sets. Yeah, you know, and you and you kind and it's like kind of edgy still, but she can adapt it. But it's pretty like edgy, even like going on Conan. I think she'll still talk about like her vagina or like anal and stuff. Right, and um, but you like, you know, you wouldn't. It wouldn't be like if she hosted SNL and said that stuff. It'd be like a shock. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know. I, for me, I think the goal is to get somewhere closer to that where it's just authentic everywhere. Uh-huh. But, you know, as far as putting that into action, that's hard because it's like, I still do want to try to work everywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't want to be like, yeah, I don't give a fuck about anything. It's like, <laughs> no, I, I, I give a lot of fucks. I care. Right. Right. Well, I want to, let's, let's delve into that a little bit. Cause I've dealt, and I am still dealing with this kind of, uh, cause I work clean. Uh, I don't know that I That's work great. PC, but, and, and clean is one of those words in comedy that can mean a hundred different things. Yeah. Um, but when I say clean, I mean late night or TV ready, you know? Yeah. Um, so when, when you talk about, you know, clean versus kind of yourself or honest, I mean, mm. what was for me, a lot of it is kind of my religious background. I'm wondering for you, what was the debate you were having between being clean and just being, you know, yourself or being honest up on stage? Yeah. Um, well, let's see, because, and even that it's so layered because, and it's cool hearing your background on it too. Um, like I was doing clean a lot in the beginning to try to work for like TV to do like TV sets. And, and also when I started doing colleges, I needed like a clean hour, for uh-huh. NACA, specific subset of colleges, NACA. Yeah. So I was like, um, to work everywhere, it, and which I wanted to do, basically you had to be clean in my, in my mind. 
Yeah. And then I reached a point where it was like, I almost, this was just for me where I started to feel robotic. Mm. But like, I don't think that it would be true everywhere. It was like, I think there's a real me that writes clean and has clean things I want to talk about. But I started to feel like so constricted because it was just for so long. I was just doing clean and just trying to write clean. Mm-hmm. And that it like all came out like the opposite foot dropped where I was just, well, this is funny to me. Let me try this. Yeah. And that's sort of now coming back to the middle again for me where, okay, I got that out of my system. Let me go back to the middle. But yeah. that being said, I did get baptized um, in uh-huh. 2019. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. And so that was an interesting transition for me where I'm still now trying to figure out how do I talk about stuff on stage and, you know, and the, and then more moral, morally, like, you know, and like, yeah. how do I use like my Christian or, you know, spiritual philosophies to like guide that as well. I haven't really found that middle ground yet where like, cause I'm not necessarily like aiming to go on as a, I'm a Christian comic. Like, um, you know, like, is it Michael Jr.? You know, have you seen him? No, uh-uh. He's like a very much like Christian comic tours churches or John Christ or these other people. Uh-huh. Um, and they're, I think they're great. Um, I don't think that that's the aim that I'm going for. Yeah. Like, but, you know, more so like Nick Thune, who's like Christian, but is just a, but is also like just a comic everywhere, you know, not a Christian comic. Right, right. So I'm still figuring out that balance because I do go up there. I talk about sex. Like there was a show. My most recent Instagram post was me doing crowd work where this guy made a joke about being gay. They're obviously two straight guys. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I, I have the whole crowd laughed at first. And I was like, you know what? Actually, prove it. Like, suck his dick. <laughs> <laughs> right now. And if you don't suck his fucking dick, it's a hate crime. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I don't know how to balance it yet because it's yeah. like, that's still so funny to me. But right. right. I, don't, I do question it, you know, like if my pastor was to come to a show, would he be just like a like horrified by what i'm saying you know i don't know so yeah yeah i'm like i'm in transition still yes well this is what i find truly fascinating about doing stand-up as arguably a moral person (laughs) um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i i don't know if it's you know this is another sort of philosophical battle i suppose with a comic are they supposed to be amoral or immoral or is it okay to have a morality? You know, I think it, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe that's dumb because it's all about no, no. perspective. And what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? For those well, I just mean, okay. So part of, part of the philosophy about comics being so useful is that mm-hmm. they are, and you know, you go back to like the jester sort of culture, right. With monarchies. Yeah. yeah. That, they were meant to comment about the structures that were in place and mm. make fun of them in a way that didn't one get themselves killed, but sure. two gave catharsis to the masses, which is yeah. you know, how they got their money and then survived. And that's kind of like why bombing is dangerous. Like in the, in the way in the past, it's like you're talking on this line, but it's such a skill because you could also be killed if you're not <laughs> balancing the line. Well, right, right. By the king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you feel like there's a a fight or flight response to our bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I get the sweats. That's what I get. 
Oh man, it's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> it's so bad. Um, okay, so yeah, well, let's talk. I'm curious about this pastor sort of question. I mean, do you have people come from your church? And and what were you baptized into, by the way? Um the Church of Satan. And it's like a very <laughs> <Okay>. unique <laughs> I mean, there's difference, there's a difference yeah. between the Church of Satan and Satanists. I have figured that out. Oh, really? See, I'm fascinated because I don't know. I just whichever one would have me, I was just like, let's do this. Oh my gosh. So yeah. interesting. Yeah. So I, I don't think... even know really. Well, my understanding, I might be wrong. So people yeah. who listen, you know, write in to the disorganized religion podcast at gmail.com. I, I am interested. Yeah. Correct me. But I think that the Church of Satan actually was this church that sort of started up in L.A. Mm-hmm. with the idea of just let's be good to people. Just it's more of a humanist idea. It's, I think I've heard that. It's like whatever you are, it's like this place of like almost outcasts, but like everybody is welcome. Right. A real, real hard way to do that yeah i've, I've heard that I, I think right. i saw that on like a tv show and was like oh that's kind of enlightening right super different than what i would have thought it would have been about and then like they're not have... satan worshipers right they're not worshipers of evil they're worshipers sort of of the rejection of uh, of hierarchy the rejection mm-hmm. of of almost the alienation that happens when you believe in a deity uh right? yeah that's interesting. Um, I guess the imperfections in a religious organization, that's sort of what they were against. And so they started mm-hmm. this more humanist and named it the Church of Satan, which, I mean, what a dumb idea. But anyways. Sure. I think it's like, it's, I get it because they're trying to, it's a, I don't know that this is their intention, but it's a very eye-catching name. Right. Or people who've maybe been like, um, not excommunicated or exiled, but like had just very bad experiences where they're like spiritual hierarchy, which is sure. unfortunately very common and turns people away from spirituality. Yeah. But like, so it has this like almost sacrilegious feel to it. That's kind of cool. Right. And, but then you go in and find out, oh, it's more than just the eye catching thing. It's like all the TV shows on HBO that the first five minutes there's a sex scene and there's nudity. <laughs> and then later on you find out, oh, I like the story. Uh huh. It's a good story. I'll take your word for it. But yeah, I think it's something, (laughs) probably something similar to that, where it is substantive. There is a substance to it that does have a morality to it. Yeah. Then you have Satanists, which are truly just worshipers worshipers of evil, right? Like Mm. they they delight in, I guess, torture or, you know. That blows my mind. Like I, I get that that exists. And I've met people with like personality disorders who start to fall into that for other mental health reasons or maybe mm. trauma. But I wonder where that where does that come from? I guess that's like a deeper question of inherent good and evil. Yeah, I think so. I think there's also a, a very tempting aspect of overcoming self through mm. pain, right? Mm. Like it's just a very visual and visceral uh, uh, what a faith structure, I suppose, right? A, mm. a visceral yeah. or visual way to overcome it through sure. self-flagellation or whatever it is. It's yeah, like, it's like still, it's almost like any feeling is is like, they just, you just want to, it's like high stimulation. Right. Same thing we get from extreme pleasure, or extreme pain. It's like just processed as like the same thing. Yeah, hmm. yeah. That's interesting. So but, what was your conversion process like to the Church of Satan? Uh, so, yeah, so I mean, I it was, you know, it's so much more 
it sounds like it's going to be intense, but it's just so much more <laughs> technical. There's a lot of red tape, a lot of paperwork. Sure. And it would um, have to be red. Yeah, yeah. It would have to be red. Red paperwork. That was the unique thing of them. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just paper, like social security number stuff, kind of like what's your tax bracket? How much can you donate? <laughs> right. Um, so wait, did you join the Satanist church, the Satan, the church of Satan or the Scientology church? Which one did you? Yeah, I don't, they're so confusingly similar. <laughs> <laughs> I get Which one were you actually attacked. baptized into? You know, it was a blur, man. It was a blur. It happened really? so fast. Next thing you know, I'm in it and I'm, I got six guys under me and I have to have them sell products to six guys under them. <laughs> it's hard to explain. It's like this pyramid thing. Sure. You know? Yeah. 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 But you could get infinity money at the end. If that's, all what, that's what I was sold. You right. Know? That's what I was told by my, we call them mentors, my mentor, my business mentor. Yeah. It's weirdly yeah, yeah, yeah. infused church and business in this. Well, there's no better way to do it than yeah. mixing money and faith. It's some kind of scheme. I don't know if there's a word for it, but it's like this pyramid structure. Huh. And it's like a scheme thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like people who get into it pay for those who come into it later kind of a thing? Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. So kind it really could work. Structure. It could work as long as people keep joining. Exactly that. So I really yeah. believe in it, and it's done a lot for me. That's you know what's great. interesting <laughs> is I've actually been a guy who so many people approach me about pyramid schemes. Uh-huh. And like multi-level marketing, there's something about me that says like, this is going to be the next guy to like take advantage of. Right, right. <laughs> well, I mean, you were baptized in 2019, which is something that yeah. doesn't often, you know, people convert to different faiths at different points in their lives. It happens. My mm-hmm. mom converted to Mormonism when she was in her mid 20s. Mm-hmm. It seems to be coming to be less and less the mode, especially to get baptized as an adult. Right. Especially in America. So maybe mm. that's part of it. You know, the same the same vibe that that got these proselyting people to your house and, and yeah. got you to commit in 2019. It's the same sort of trust structure. You know, Utah. I, I, I think so. Yeah. 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 I mean, Utah? Utah's big into Mormonism, obviously, and a lot of multilevel marketing schemes or ploys or or businesses. Sure also come out of utah and you know and i don't think it's a like just um it's oh these people are easy to take advantage of thing but i do think there's a parallel and i think it's this i think it's like when you read what's the word i'm looking for okay so i feel lucky that when i was at that phase of my low times Mm. that i the net that I was caught in when I was seeking some meaning or identity or, um, you know, try to, trying to figure out my, the next step of my life. I was lucky that the one that made sense and fit was it was, so I got baptized in a non-denominational Christian church. Oh, okay. And I was l- glad that it was that because, you know, it's, it is sad that like that point, is where people can be taken into like a cult sure an extreme like neo-nazi group an extreme like or a multi-level marketing scheme thing or whatever there's some there's some correlation to that that you're like more prone at those times and i was i'm thankful that mine was like a baptism (laughs) at a chill church (laughs) right because it can be worse you know i've seen it happen to people where they're like i was at a very low time 
Um, yeah. And, but I would say it's, it wasn't just that. I don't think it was just, I was at a low time and I need to cling to anything. Maybe it's a new relationship or it's, it's a new hobby. Uh-huh. I will say it was like faith um, and grace kept showing up in my life at hard times. And I would just, I would listen to it for a second and then, you know, and then ignore it again. Yeah. And so, and this time it was like the last, uh, last straw in a way where I was like, you know what, like I've had this on and off relationship with like God, where God has always shown up. And like, I'm the one that's like in my college girl party phase. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not ready yet to settle yeah. down. But God, like every time I showed up, like on God's doorstep, like drunken and blacked out, my makeup smeared, God's like, hey, it's cool. Like, you know, I get, <laughs> I, I get what you're going through. And, and yeah. I, and, and I was, I would still go out and party. And then this time around, I was like, yeah, I think it's time to like commit because it just has kept working in my life. And, um, uh huh. And that was 2019. That was like the summer of 2019. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely want to come back to this and talk sure. about kind of that cycle because it seems like also in your life and just spiritually speaking, but also comedically, you've gone through some cycles of mm. outlook and kind of commitment to different styles. Um, so I want to come back to one thing you mentioned comedically uh, or maybe two things. One's a little bit lighter, and that is the difference in styles internationally. So you've performed in, mm-hmm. you know, Amsterdam, Tokyo, England, like all over the place. So, yeah. and you mentioned this style in England of having an intermission and the host really kind of being there to shepherd the crowd into mm-hmm. comedic mindset. Uh, what what style do you like better? Because the American style is more like the host is there up top and then they yeah. pop in for a couple seconds in between. Totally. Man. Um, I don't know. I Because like Asia, for example, it just depends on who's producing the show because everywhere I was performing, it would be an English-speaking community mm. in abroad. So like yeah. when I was performing in Asia, that's where I got to first see the British style because I was in Singapore and it was very much like British English kind of society, especially because yeah. there, I think like Malaysia and Singapore, it was like British colonized. And so um, that's where I experienced that. And it was different for me. It was weird to just, oh, the show stopped and we're all going to come back. Yeah. But it worked. I don't know why that worked. It was like a, it was like a th- going to the theater. Sure. You know, there's an intermission, then you're going to get the final act. Yeah. But it wasn't like it killed the momentum. Um, Maybe, you know, that's a tough one. I don't know. Maybe I like that better because there are times, sometimes headlining a club in America where it feels like by the time you go on, it has been a long time already. Yeah. And they need a little bit of a break instead of just going straight into it. But I'm not really sure. I'm not sure that I actually really have a preference. They've been, they've both been fine. Uh Uh-huh. I've done well and I've bombed at both. So. so that's not a clear winner yeah. for you. <laughs> I think the one that I like the most will be the one that I'm the most successful at at the end right. of the day. You know, well, like that enough. one's better. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, very fun. The other is this vacillation between working clean and maybe you know working super super blue or mm-hmm. finding a middle ground. What what value? have you seen i mean did you see a value in working clean or was it really just kind of a means to an end and sure. you know where do you stand on that right now 
Well, 100%, I see a value in working clean. So I guess I'll speak off of right now, because back then, it a lot of it was just, I was still figuring out my voice. Mm-hmm. But right now, I think I kind of know my voice a lot better. I've been doing stand-up about 10 years, and I also know that it's going to keep evolving. But for example, like when I go on a show, it is just inherently easier to be dirty. Mm. And most comics on the showcase, if you're doing a showcase, will be dirty. Yeah. So I think instantly when you're going clean, you you stand out. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's just a huge thing in comedy. Um, in any art form is to stand out and want to be unique. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it's just like there, and there maybe there's a a challenge to oh, I'm gonna write cleaner. I'm gonna it's whatever. But I wouldn't even fully say that because I think just if it's funny, it's funny. Right. But, um, I do think that if you write clean, just naturally you're gonna stand out, and you're more inclined to write about topics that are more unique as well. Mm. You know, to you or or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. And even right now, like, I feel this thing, like, when I am being, like, dirtier or this, the jokes or songs that I've written are dirtier, and that's what I'm excited to do, and I go on a show, and everyone's dirty, I yeah. instantly am like, oh, I don't want to do this stuff. <laughs> it's true. It's such, I'm like, I don't want to do this tonight. Interesting. I, wanna, like, I wish yeah. there was something clean that I had just written. And then I'll, but unfortunately, a lot of the clean stuff that I had is, like, older. Right. So I'm, like, not as excited to do that for that reason, too. Right. But I guess I sort of trust the process of like, that's just what was true in my mind for the last year. And I think I'm naturally feeling where it's like, oh, I think I kind of want to talk about personal stuff Mm. again. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that has uh, coincided with your with your spiritual journey at all? This sort of clean to not clean to to clean ish Mm -hmm. again? Or is there no relation? No, there's some relation because the weird thing is when i when i i was cleaner before i got baptized (laughs) and then then i got really dirty like around that time that i got baptized it was Uh like the best way i can describe it is like i don't think it had to do with church or my faith but it was i started to part of the low point right before i got baptized was like maybe uh identity crisis like i just didn't really wasn't really sure who i was like what i was mm-hmm. doing or what like what my voice was in all aspects of my life not just comedy yeah and so when i did get baptized like that's like commitment that's like a choice to to go a certain direction and i started being more clear for myself of like making choices that were from me yeah instead of just being reactive and that was a choice and so at that same time i made a very like before that even too i was being reactive with writing clean i was just writing clean because i had another like i had a tv set i was striving for or gotcha so this i was like i don't want to be reactive so i think i consciously want to write this song asian guys can smash right conservative in the streets liberal in the sheets this is funny to me right and then um and then now like i think that was very true and authentic for that time and i don't know i don't know what's going to be next to be honest but i feel like I'm I'm stepping into a new cycle of writing and perspective right now. Yeah. Well, very exciting. Um, so now, okay, I want to talk, uh, since you've alluded more to the spirituality side of it and, mm-hmm. and kind of what was going on for you, I think that that crisis of identity is particularly huge for comics because it's so much of what we bring to the stage is an identity. Um, 
and what I want to ask you is, is regarding this identity. I mean, how how did you find? You said you feel like you're kind of finding your voice now, your identity now. What mm-hmm. what steps have you taken, or what has been that journey of self discovery for you? Sure. Yeah. Like, you know, I so I just hit ten years, and I turned thirty. I'm now 31, but those yeah. two things were all so. There's so many like big um, transitions happening around the same time that I started to feel like I'm finally finding my voice. Mm. It's crazy that it, it took 10 years to even <laughs> feel that. It's so wild to me because like I really did feel it though. I was like, oh, I think I kind of know who I am on stage now, and I know yeah. it's going to evolve, but I have a better idea of like what I'm bringing to the stage. Yeah. And I guess part of that, you know, what actually really helped it too was weirdly enough. And I take this with, I understand the gravity of the pandemic, but like yeah. everything shutting down yeah. and taking like a year break where I was still creating and stuff, but like having that much time off um, stage in the way that I used to do it, where you're getting up all the time and then coming back on, it was a reset. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it was like, I couldn't rely on who I was before. So mm. I had to really just be who I am now. And that, right. that was, that was helpful. Gotcha. Like, there's, there's a pinpoint time. Like when I was in Minneapolis, uh, doing a show at Acme in February, not even that long ago, mm. I remember thinking like, wow, I kind of just fell in love with stand up again after this weekend of shows. Yeah. Cause I hadn't done a weekend of shows like that in a long time. I got, I, before the show, I'm looking at my set list I hate all of it. Uh huh. I'm like, this isn't me anymore. <laughs> and I was stressing because, like, what am I going to do then? I don't want to do yeah. an hour that I just hate. And I'm like lying to the crowd with like a fake smile. Right. So I wrote on top of my set list, I wrote, enjoy it. Like, yeah. first and foremost, that's what I want to do. Enjoy it. These words don't even matter. Just yeah. enjoy it and like, and let that be what the crowd feels. And, uh, and I, I think some like, some magic happened that night and that weekend it felt really good yeah so so did you do the set list you had prepared or did you more improvise a lot of improvisation yeah Yeah. how do you say that improvisation improvisation sounds more improvisation it's probably your it's probably your international comedic (laughs) yeah yeah repertoire you you know know, i've been to amsterdam and asia so i say improvisation (laughs) right there it is that's the problem you got to get back to the good old US of A, JR, and just say yeah. words correctly. Okay. <laughs> um, that, yeah, interesting. Well, yeah, I think the pandemic has been obviously a very terrible year mm-hmm. and a lot of very negative things. But for, I guess, for those of us who survived, uh, yeah. it has been a true blessing uh, for some of us. I think that sure. have used it in that way to. F- really find out like what do we want what do we perspective it's been a perspective yeah. check yeah that's uh, a good way to put it i i love your comedy i had not really been that familiar with it until you and i met at the nightcap which is a mm-hmm. fantastic venue in burbank yeah that was um fun. so it's guys like you and morgan J. I always am curious what what is do you feel a stigma from other comics because you go up there with a set of talents all your own i feel like dimitri martin also must get some of this which is Mm -hmm. are you a musical comic are you a prop comic are you just a comic you know what kind of vibe do you get from the rest of the comedic world 
Well, that's a, yeah, that's a really good question. And, and thrown in Morgan J. I love him. Shout out yeah. to Morgan. I, uh, you know, part of that transformation of this year was leaning even more into the musical comic thing because very much before i think i had an insecurity when a like stand-up purist would where they may like look down on me for playing a guitar on stage i was like well let me please this part right of my audience and show that i can do stand-up so i was very much stand-up heavy and i would throw in songs so i was like oh i'm a stand-up comic who plays funny songs you know yeah and then I was like, why, why am I doing that? You know, it's like, why care? So it's like, it, sure. and I was almost envious then when I would see like flight of the Concords are just, they don't give a, they don't care. Yeah. They're leaning into like, we're musical comedians and we banter in between. And then we do that. Right. If we banter and it's not really getting a laugh, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And sometimes I mean, everyone... it's just like a good song. Yeah. Right. So I think I leaned into that more over the last year because Partially too, because you're spending, I was spending so much time creatively just making comedy song videos mm. online yeah. and having fun with it and not feeling the pressure from the back of the room. Whereas mm -hmm. before I was, I, I was still like very tuned into the back of the room. And I think a lot of comics, we want to please, we want to be comics, comics, you know? Right. And I very much wanted that. But now I think I just, I started to lean into like, dude, I've been doing this 10 years. And I, it's funny how t to say that feels so freeing. You know what? I've been doing this 10 years. I'm going to just do whatever I want. Yeah. Right. And you earned that, it. Yeah. That was like a part of it. it was just like, I was like, I love music. And sometimes I almost think of myself as a musician first before comedy. Cause it was like hmm. my first love. Right. I don't think the world would say that, like, as far as what I've put out into the world, but like, I um I just love music so much. So I was like, why not lean into this? That that makes me happy on stage. And I think the crowd gets something from they can feel your joy and happiness. So Yeah. Um yeah. Now I would say I'm um it's easier for me to lean into the music comedy part of identity. Gotcha. Well, it's a great aspect of what you bring to the table in a lineup. Uh so I'm glad. I'm glad that's that's where you've landed on it. Um the the other I guess, so for people who don't know JR or about JR's history, he started as a, I mean, I guess started, started as a kid, but eventually yeah. was a music teacher and then mm -hmm. got into stand-up. And I'm curious why, like, what was your, you know, what was the like motivation for you to get into stand-up other than just to get out of teaching music? Sure. Yeah. That's a, that's a good question. Like I, I was always a fan of stand-up. So you know, music and comedy, music was first where I was like, started out in church choir and then started taking some piano lessons and then started learning drums in the eighth grade. Mm. High school was very music filled. I was like in drumline, evening orchestra. I played like alto sax for band. I was like a big band nerd. Uh -huh. And then I, I went back into choir like my junior and senior year. Um, so I, I thought going into college, I was, I was like gonna be a musician. I was like, I want to be a rock star. That's what I sure. want to do. Yeah. I would, in, my, in my room, it was like an attic type room, upstairs room. I would turn off all the lights and turn off this one light, turn on this one light that was like a stage light. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I like, just play drums and pretend like I was like the backing of like some big band. Like, oh, yeah. Sure. And then, um, so that was just very much the dream. But comedy was always this thing. I had no idea how you even get into it. I just thought mm. it was this magical thing. I would watch like Conan every night 
and like premium blend and watch comics and almost like start to talk in that form with my friends. Like, you mm. notice like girls like do this thing and like guys do this thing. Like you don't know that what it is, but you're kind of starting right. to do the joke structure. Right. And um, so it was like, I loved it. And I always like thought it was cool and it just had so much admiration for comics. Mm -hmm. And then the transition from music into comedy was in college. Like, I think I wanted to try out like improv and then I didn't get into the improv group of my college, which is so heartbreaking. Right. Well, first right. it was, I wanted to get into the acapella group. Didn't get in. Yeah. Like, oh man. Like, who am I then? I thought this was going to be my future. Right. And I didn't get into the improv group. And then um, finally, I would always play stand-up specials for my friends. And um, so they knew I loved stand-up. And my buddy was like, hey, there's a stand-up class at UC Davis. Huh. And so when I took that class is when I, like, started to see, like, an access point of how people did it. Yeah. And, I just, and also, I just got addicted to it at that point. I just was writing jokes, like at 12 at night in the 24 hour library at UC Davis and everything. So sure. Sure. Got hooked. Gotcha. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, also, okay. I feel like I can't yeah. tell cause I drank so much caffeine this morning. <laughs> if like a one minute answer is turning into like a 20 minute answer. <laughs> no, no, this has been great. I hope others have enjoyed it as much as I have. It's okay, been very cool. insightful. I've really appreciated the depth of your responses and I want to keep that depth as we move into the more, I think, personal and interesting aspect of our lives, which is our spirituality, Yeah, which I, I find fascinating in that, you know, I grew up religious and there's, we have a lot of parallels, JR. I, yeah. I also played alto saxophone uh, in, in the band. I had this momentary thought that being a rock star would be amazing, but mm -hmm. You know, I never possessed the musical talent to do that. You so. fought the law and the law won. <laughs> they did. And I became a lawyer, actually. <laughs> it won that hard. Um, so so did you grow up religious? Yeah. So and I, mean, I have so many questions about your spirituality, too. I love these conversations. Yeah. I actually just it was a fitting day. I came from a uh, lunch meeting with somebody from my church. Uh -huh. They're basically really trying to get like a donation for this like ministry they're doing. Oh, okay. And, and I did it. Um, oh, wow. Good for you. Yeah. It's a multi-level marketing scheme. <laughs> That's it. That, so <laughs> yeah. what's the return on your investment going to be like? Uh, it depends on how many people I can get under me. So, right. How many people yeah. they save or. Like or how much for... money you make depends on how much money you want to make. <laughs> right. You got to spend money to make money. And that <laughs> is where you are. Yeah. But yeah, so I kind of had these conversations this morning and now I'd have it with you. It's like, I could talk about spirituality and faith all day. Right. Um, yeah. So could I, so could I, man. But, uh, I grew up in the Catholic church. So okay. my parents were Catholic. I was baptized Catholic and, um, kindergarten to my senior year in high school, Catholic school. Oh, wow. So, so you guys were going to mass every week, every Friday and Sunday. Wow. So, so you were guys were, were in it you were practicing catholics deep in it deep in yeah it. okay so then what happens in between you know senior year of college and and 2019 sure so actually senior year of high school is or senior year of high school that's when senior i graduated from a catholic high school and you know i don't know 
it, I, I think it was some specific, like some specific things that I had noticed in some church groups. Cause I don't want to mm. pin it on any, like the schools or anything like any organizations like that, but just some experiences I had had mm-hmm. with people, unfortunately made it that by the time I graduated, I like didn't want anything to do with religion. Okay. I, was, I just, I, I felt like there was some hypocrisy that I had seen. Sure. And, you know, specifically like, um, like the anti like LGBT parts of it and uh-huh. certain, c- certain things like that, for example, I just felt like, um, were just hard to see. like, they felt like, the best way to describe it, I felt like I saw aspects of the church of people in the church that were like y- using church teachings to like just for their own hate, sure or divisive yeah, yeah, yeah. motives. Yeah. Well, and, I have some similar kind of yeah. issues with with my faith as well, but I'm mm-hmm. curious for you know like the Catholic or for your understanding of it growing up, was it a theological issue that you had with with a Catholic stance on homosexuality, or was it more was it really more what you're describing, which is people just being like, we hate, we hate gays and the church isn't favorable to them. So we'll mm-hmm. use this church teaching to really hate on the gays. Yes. That's a good question. Like, was it the actual teaching or was it the people who were just misinterpreting right. it and using it? Um, it was kind of maybe a little bit of both because uh-huh. some of those people, the frustrating part was now that Pope Francis and the Catholic Church has said it's like it's cool to love gays now, and gay marriage is actually fine. Like they just changed, which is oh, good. did they? So I knew that they were debating it, but I thought they finally Francis... got a software update. Yeah, <laughs> I thought he'd just come down on the side of we're not going to sanction homosexual marriage, but you don't have to hate them. You know, it's like you know we're all God's children, but we're not going to sanction the homosexual union. Maybe that's what he said. Maybe that maybe that's what it is. I don't know, but I think uh-huh. the effect was uh was more was acceptance more like acceptance thankfully because yeah like for example i had some gay friends or gay people that were close to me that be, started going back to church because of that and i'm that mm. makes me happy because like i i totally understand if you were a gay person but your block to spirituality was that you felt like you didn't belong or people didn't see you as belonging yeah in your community of faith that's yeah. so hard that's right. so hard. You feel so much like there is something wrong with me because this all loving God doesn't love me. Right. So like right. I just sympathized with that and I was glad that like the effect of whatever happened in the recent church thing was that. I don't yeah. know fully because I'm not I'm not that like close to the doctrine of the new Catholic Church. Sure. But when I say that because some people all of a sudden were like, Oh yeah, actually it's okay to love gays when back then they didn't, just because they said it was okay. Right. And, and even now with my faith, I feel like it's important to like question. And, and yeah. it made me say that some of those people weren't questioning at all. They were just going with what they were being told. And so I'm not yeah. sure if back then it was maybe a mix of both because I think that the doctrine back then may have lent itself to be more conducive to like not loving, not being accepting of homosexuality. Yeah. And so people took it that way and took it far that way. Sure, sure. Um, I had, I had a, um, yeah. I have a cousin who's gay, and like I kind, we kind of knew it back then. And he, I was just so close to him that 
that was such a hard thing for me to believe. Like I had this conversation with people even like, like it's so hard to say, but even in my family and I, Mm -hmm. you know, not to point any fingers, like I don't want people to hear it and, and feel bad or anything too, if they heard it, but like who I had these conversations with and be like, if, you know, so-and-so is like a good person and believing everything like does that and but they're but they're gay does that mean they're going to hell you know right yeah and they didn't have like a good answer for me which was so unsatisfying for me yeah yeah i can understand that being incredibly frustrating yeah sure not that i have the answer now or that there needs to be answer i think everyone can still have their own personal relationship with god yeah influences their beliefs but sure yeah. yeah yeah Uh, so did you feel ever a connection with God or with the deity as, as a Catholic growing up? Yeah. So I still felt like I, you know, I, I separate religion and spirituality even Uh now. And I still felt spirituality. I still felt some connection to like a higher power at that time. And like the way that I prayed in high school was very much, I would go on a walk and talk to God. Uh Uh-huh. And so I would feel it there for sure. Yeah. Um, and like the the religious practices of the Catholic Church that I do give credit to is they're kind of like traditional and like meditative in a way. Yeah. There's like a lot of repetition. Mm-hmm. So when you think of other forms of meditation where you're chanting or something, it, it gets you out of like your left brain into this very like right brain meditative state. Yeah. I can see that within the Catholic Church, why repetition and tradition is important. So that would that would do it for me in a way that I didn't even understand as a kid. Hmm. You know, like I could see the value in it and I learned a lot of like great values from Catholicism and and Catholic Church too. Yeah. Gotcha. So so you had this connection. I, I totally identify with that. I love that. And then seeing the hypocrisy within your own faith, I can appreciate that one hundred percent. Mm-hmm. That kind of led you away from Catholicism in general. And, and then and then what was your spiritual journey like? I mean, had you sort of been seeking out another, you know, uh, religious community to belong to? Or had you signed off on it all together? <laughs> yeah, that's such a good, it's, it's a really good, like, timelining of it all. Because what happened was, I think even the hypocrisy stuff aside, like, even then, I think being in the Catholic church for so long without understanding, like I kind of needed to figure out who I was mm-hmm. separate from that for a sure. while, separate from church, faith and religion. And um, so I, was not, I wasn't really searching for a new group. There was a moment in college where I remember going to this, um, do you know what Baha'i is? I have heard of Baha'i, yes. Yeah, it's like B-A-H-A, I think apostrophe I or I apostrophe I, like Hawaii. Uh-huh. And I still don't know a lot about it, but what drew me to it was like the interfaith aspect mm. of it. Cause I think even still now I, I like the idea of just like multiple ways of, of reaching the same thing. Yeah. And uh, so I went to like a few Baha'i things because it was literally just like a hippie jam session when I was yeah. in college, the one that yeah. I went to, I was like, I think this is what I am. <laughs> this is it, baby. <laughs> this, this is, is it. it. Yeah. And because uh, I remember they asked somebody asked me to come in to their service. Yeah. And was just like, can you play a song for us? I was like, I don't really know any like worship music on the guitar. Yeah. Was like, just play a Stevie Wonder song. I'm like, and that's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Of course. 
even though he was blind is that okay (laughs) are you sure everything was just like okay and uh so i thought that one was cool for a little bit but i just wasn't i don't and i went to i did gospel choir in college and Mm -hmm. stuff that was like i still very much liked the people like for example i had some um lds or like mormon neighbors and people that i would meet or like some of my students were always so cool yeah, and I always vibed with people who had some sense of spirituality, mm-hmm. and I didn't. It, but at that time, I wasn't seeking spirituality, so sure. it was there was something where it was like those communities were always so great. I just wasn't ready to really commit and be a part of it. Yeah. But, um, so no, I wasn't really actively seeking it in college, and yet I would still hang out with a lot of people who sure. were in it. Like a lot sure. of the girls that I would date in college were Jewish. Oh, nice. Yeah, and like practicing, yeah. you know, like religiously Jewish. Yeah, like this one yeah. girl I like fell in love with, with like moved to Israel mm. to like be part of Israel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. when I was in college and it was like a big thing. Wow. I, remember, I was like, why? <laughs> why do you leave me why you for leave? your people? <laughs> yeah. Why are you leaving for this belief that is so strong in your heart? <laughs> right. I'm more important oh, than that. Man. Okay, yeah. so then what changed? What changed for you come 2019? What what made it so you were ready to commit to one yeah. sort of community? Well, um, let's see. So that was a journey. I would say it was like the entire journey of like 2008 to 2019. Mm. There was a lot of, you know, I feel like without faith, I, I hesitate to say that because of people who might listen to this and are just still don't have faith. Like I'm not judging them sure this was just my experience jr is not judging you i'm judging you no yes it's fine. Seth, yeah go ahead hand, <laughs> right right so hardcore judging yeah um like for me i looking back on it and i i didn't think this at the time but i felt like i was like a chicken running around without his head uh-huh. where i just was really just seeking depth in anything so like partying alcohol drugs sex yeah whatever whatever you'd name it to the max or like where certain things would like fill me temporarily such a like a very like christian spiritual way to talk but it's right like, right I, I i always like to speak of these things in like a layman's term like not like not a specific religion because it just seems like more relatable but like yeah. i guess it's just they wouldn't film like i would just keep reaching points of temporary happiness or temporary peace temporary joy yeah without a direction and and i would reach all these dark times um in those pursuits mm-hmm. where it's just like end up end up short end up with nothing like um you know and and like in all of those low times like something spiritual is what would kind of like bring me peace again hmm. and like so for for example i i it's funny i just told this story this morning for that guy that wanted a donation <laughs> good guy i have no problem to him yeah but that's great like, well asking. i'm not even gonna ask you for money at the end of this so. that's the best part of everything right exactly just doing it to learn <laughs> that's it <laughs> but, baby like three very specific instances i can think of is one like i was just broke doing comedy on the road and i was in idaho and I'm sleeping yeah. in my car because between shows, they're not putting you up and I'm driving everywhere. I came back after this trip losing money, in fact. 
Uh, yeah. But I had stocked up my car with blankets, a little sleeping pad. I had a little like Ikea plastic drawer full of um, I would call instant foods where mm. I would just go to a gas station and get hot water and I had a meal. Yeah. And I was sleeping in my car. It's freezing. I didn't think about that. Like, oh, cars don't have house insulation. So I'm sleeping right. in my right. car downtown. And it's like a movie. Like, I hear music and, like, joy and, like, laughter. Yeah. Like, what, the, what is that sound? I'm, like, cold shivering in my car. <laughs> and I look outside, and there's, like, a light, like, this warm light coming out of this building. Yeah. And it's dark everywhere else, you know? I'm like, what sure. is that? So I get out of my car. and like, let me go check this out. And there's like food and like singing and the hot cider. It's like, it's like an inn <laughs> in like Lord of the Rings or like the 1600s, you know? Yes. Come in, weary traveler. We have right. hot cider and yeah, like elk, right. elk soup. <laughs> and um, so, so I come in and just have just like the best time. I'm so like uplifted and refilled before I even find out at the end that like, oh, it's like a worship night. And then they start talking about God and praying. Yeah. And I'm like bamboozled again. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbe- the nerve you have <laughs> to just give me soup, conversation, and human connection. Right. You tricked me. And... Oh, my God. That's the best <laughs> way. That's the Christian way. Get it's you in Christian with one way. thing, keep you with another. Exactly. You're listening to a song. Like, yeah. Yeah, dude. And then you're tricked. And you're like, wait, what is this chorus saying? Praise? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. God, not... you are my everything. Like <laughs> what? what? In verse one, you're just singing about your hardships. I thought this was Leonard Skinner. What has happened <laughs> to this yeah. song? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and the people were just so nice. There was just such a sense of community. And, you know, um, and then they became my friends. Like people were showing me around. Yeah. See, until my, the, I finally had my show. Yeah. So that was one thing I looked back as an example of like, it was just so obvious back then, you know, like mm. that something was good there in that community. And I still was just like, went back to my own ways. Right. And, um, lost my way again years, like over the time. And, um, not, I, I was, when I say lost my way, I don't mean just with faith. It was just like started having anxiety and depression and just trying yeah. to seek the ways to fill it through like, well, let me work more. Or right. maybe I need to party more, or maybe it's in this relationship, or maybe it's whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, to the point where, like, I remember, you know what's crazy is, like, I'll talk about this openly, too. I got, like, a DUI in 2015, mm. and it was, like, a really low low point. I felt so much shame about it, and um, I had all these, like, opportunities that were starting to happen. Like, I was talking to a college agent yeah i was all these things that i wanted and and maybe doing festivals that year for the first time yeah and i was like dude what am i i'm just throwing all this stuff away you know yeah and i mean was that real or is that just how you felt maybe it's just how i felt i don't know yeah i've just never heard of given given the rolodex of people in my head who i know have done the colleges i'm like they i know i know there's a dui in there somewhere at least one but I guess what I thought was just making it harder because then I couldn't sure. get a rental car if I have a DUI right. and right. you got to fly in sometimes get a rental car for three hours. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So like, you know, the, maybe it was the feeling, I, if anything, I just felt shame. Yeah. Shame invaded my life at that time. Sure. And then I s- just didn't know how to get out of it. I'll try anything. I had people in my family who are very spiritual. So 
they would start mm-hmm. inviting me to church. And are they still Catholic, most of your family, or? Um, Catholic and Christian. Uh-huh. So, like, I have a cousin who's more so Christian, but my family and is still going to Catholic church. Got it. Okay. So, I would go to church with my parents or a church with, like, my cousin and stuff like yeah. that. And I remember, like, it bringing me peace again. Hmm. And, like, going to an Easter service and they sang Amazing Grace. I was just crying. Yeah. In the pews. And I'm like, oh. This is still, it's still getting to me, you know? Yeah. And I, as I was doing that regularly, like blessings did come into my life. Like good hmm. stuff started happening in my life. That was inexplainable. It wasn't like, you know, it's, it's, it was so hard. Cause at those times I'm, I was very much a person that I needed a scientific reason yeah. for everything. Yeah. Faith was so dumb to me. Right. Like faith is just, you're giving up on trying to figure out why. That's right. what I thought faith was at the time. Sure. And now I know that it's not that. Yeah. Um. And so I just good stuff was like blessings were coming and like grace was happening and whatever. And I just uh-huh. like, like my life was picking up again and like yeah. stuff was good. And I was like, wow, that it brought me out of like anxiety and depression hmm. at a time when I would hate for anyone to tell me that the solution to my problems was to pray. Sure. I would hate them for that if they said yeah. that. Yeah. And, but it did, it worked. And then time moves on and I, best way I can describe it is getting back to my old habits again. Sure. Sure. And, uh, to the point where in 2018, everything's good on paper. As far as like my career, I'm like making decent money and stand up was such a, a gift. Amazing yeah. like, dream. Um, a lot of cool things are happening for my career and stuff. And like, but I was just still really like, if anything, I was getting like more unhappy inside. And hmm. I don't think it was those things. It was just, I was thinking that those were the things that were going to fill me. Yeah. And finally be the solution. And it just wasn't. And so I reached like a peak of like some like vices, as best I can say it, you know? Hmm. And just like things, I was just feeling like shame of like, I felt like unredeemable in my life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and at the lowest low point, when I just think like I'm unredeemable, like I don't deserve like a lot of things in my life. And Mm. I like the things that pick me up again, it was like spirituality. I was doing church. I was doing jujitsu at this church by my house Uh and got in really because of the (laughs) jujitsu. Yeah. Dude, the Christian way. Exactly. They tricked me again. <laughs> you can defend yourself physically and if you stay long enough spiritually. Yeah, why don't you just come on to this barbecue after your, your jujitsu thing? Like where is <laughs> right. that? Oh, the barbecue is a service? You get <laughs> oh, free barbecue at the church service? Gosh darn it. Yeah. Yep, we gotta sit through the whole talk. Gotta sing a couple songs and then yeah, you can Christianity have is really just one big timeshare timeshare <laughs> meeting. At yeah, the end. yeah, the timeshare pitch with with the payoff, yeah. the dessert, the brownies waiting for you. And you think about it, they would get rid of that timeshare format if it didn't work. I know it works on people. Of course, of course, it got it so, got schmucks like us. It got a exactly. schmuck like you. Yeah. They tricked me, man. They tricked right. me. And I'm thankful in a weird way because it's like I said, it was at a low point, but yeah. it worked. It yeah. worked and continued kept working every time I ran away from it. I was like actively running away from it and kept getting pulled into it. Yeah. And it's like this thing that was, it was like 
something that I didn't even, I would never be able to give to myself. So this like, but for my own good kept happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the best way I can describe that is just like grace, you know? Sure. Every time I felt irredeemable, grace kept showing up in my life. And um, so I was in my lowest low, 2000, end of 2018. Um, you know, I got, I actually also like kind of got like stopped partying, stopped partying, stopped drinking like around uh-huh. that time. I just never know how to talk about it because just, some just people stopped are having like, fun altogether. Stop having fun. <laughs> no more hanging out. <laughs> just, just straight. Straight it's not even no drinking. It's just anything that I enjoy. Right. I got rid of all my Nintendo systems. I got mm-hmm. rid of the. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I know. Somebody what you mean. would. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Because like some people are like way anonymous about those things. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and like have a firm philosophy of like um, keeping it. What is it? I forgot. Keeping they, they, it real. Keeping no. it real. Uh, and so, but that stuff all helped me. And then. Um, in the beginning of maybe it was like summer of 2019 mm-hmm. i met up with my pastor and was just like hey you know like i wasn't sure if i needed to get baptized because i'd been baptized catholic yeah. but i was going to church and had strayed so many times in the past that i was just like i think i need to do something that's like an act of like commitment and uh asked him about baptism he was like you want to do it this sunday I was like, oh, it's not like a process. Like, we don't need like some big initiation <laughs> study thing. Yeah, like, I don't have to show up on Sunday panel. and you're good. Like, yeah. I thought, I thought it was. Sure. I literally thought it was like yeah, the yeah, voice. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, they're, they're right. Are you? Around. Am I judged worthy to join your clan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so I got baptized that Sunday, and um, and it's still like an imperfect faith journey for me, uh, t- completely. I mean, is there but, any other kind, really? I don't think there's another kind. Yeah, that, every, and that's, that's such a refreshing thing to hear, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, like every journey is imperfect, but there is no journey that is less perfect than a faith journey. Wow, I love that. You know? Yeah. Well, I, I love that because like, I think growing up, sometimes I didn't feel that. I sure. felt that there are some religious communities that are a little bit more like pious yeah you know where it's more about the show we are holy right if you're not holy you can't sit with us right right i don't think that's the actual teaching i think the teaching is more so like this is for the broken yeah yeah 100 percent. i 100 percent agree with you i mean i think just about the new testament and who Mm -hmm. did jesus spend time with he wasn't only hanging out with priests and levites in the temple he was chilling with prostitutes you know, you know i have i joke that it's like i'm more like jesus than i thought because i was hanging out with prostitutes <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i love that i was joke. jesus before jesus like before i, I was before it was cool before i was loving jesus. <laughs> yeah no but 100%. no you're right you're right prisoners and prostitutes yeah it was like you that. know yeah um Interesting. All right. I have, uh, I think just one more question for you and then, and then I'll let you pepper me with questions about my faith and the, one of my favorite segments, but I'm curious for you, JR, what do you believe happens after this life? Oh gosh, that's such a good question. Maybe there's like a waiting room first off. That's my, my imagery. I'm an eight year old answering this question. There's like a waiting room yeah. And then you don't know what's on the other side, but you get called in. And I don't think it's hell. I don't think hell is an option. That's, uh-huh. my, that's my own personal thing. Yeah. I think, but you, but they call you in and there is some like heaven of your 
of that that makes sense to you, but we cannot even comprehend it yeah. right now. Yeah. But I, but I get I guess if I really sit down and think about it, you you know how the whole um, law of physics of energy can neither be created nor destroyed, right? Like that's where I have a firm belief that something happens. Mm. I don't believe that just nothing happens. I don't think yeah. we die and it's just that was it. Right. I just but I don't I don't know. I can't even comprehend. But I don't think that it's hell. Yeah. That just seems you know, maybe that's my own aversion to the um old like Catholic guilt ways of thinking. <laughs> right. You right. A, a pretty prominent punishment world waiting. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Where do this because you'll don't do this because you'll go to hell or do this or you'll go to hell. Right. It doesn't seem like a healthy relationship to God. Right. Um, yeah, or agree. a healthy relationship. In Nothing love. against Catholicism. I think there's a right way to do every exactly. religion. There's a wrong way to do every religion. But I do understand what you're saying. That Exactly. Like I say this all with a disclaimer that I don't I don't feel like Catholicism is doing it wrong. There was a specific people in that religion and specific people maybe in Christianity, specific yeah. people in these things that yeah. well, take their own inter interpretation of it. Yeah, and every group has those you know zealots that take it to this degree where it's like, this isn't fun anymore to say anyone, you know, mm -hmm. it's, I don't know, it's sort of my perception of the Hollywood high school party where everyone's getting drunk. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's an aspect of that party that looks fun, but then you look over at the zealots who are like vomiting yeah. at the end of the night it's like okay that's not fun and to it's me a great, great the example. vomiters are the people that are like no you have to do this this and this otherwise yeah. totally yeah. totally and and so like and i will give the example of like there are some people from my high school or like priests that really changed my life and mm. just the way that they were describing things or their belief in faith or just their example were so like touching to me that it's helped me become who I am today. So it's like, yeah, I, I think if someone's looking for faith, Catholicism is a great one to get into. Sure. Um, yeah. But as far as heaven goes, you know, even metaphorically now, I do believe in like, even sometimes feeling heaven on earth where it's like, mm -hmm. you feel freedom, you feel joy, you feel compassion, empathy, yeah. connection. Like, like you're set in Minnesota. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just in the moment and you're connected with everybody. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's an extension of that to like the most extreme, mm -hmm. whatever it would be. Um, yeah. Or you turn into a tree. I don't know. <laughs> you know? And you're I'd still be... in heaven and it's a beautiful existence. <laughs> right. Yeah. The thing is, like, I really, I really don't know. That's the, that's the thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I can appreciate that. Um, yeah. Excellent. JR, this has been such a fun discussion, dude. Thank you so much for being so open. Uh, now it's your turn to put, you know, whatever curiosity you have uh, yeah. to my test in the segment that I call, what's the deal with Mormons this mm. time with JR de Guzman? Any questions sure. you have for me? Well, man, there's so many though. And it's not even just with Mormonism. <laughs> it's, or would you call it Mormonism or... Yeah, LDS I think, stuff. you know, colloquially, yes, Mormonism. I, my my faith has had a few bouts with the nickname, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and the, really, I am supposed to, to insist that I am called a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Latter Saints. Saints. That yeah. is just so, so long, long. Uh, yeah. so verbose. Anyway, I can appreciate it. 
member of the church of jesus christ is the way they want us to shorten it but mormon mm -hmm. has been around so long you know you can't choose your nickname often yeah. um anyhow so you sure. whatever you're comfortable with you go with jr i'm not gonna okay. be offended regardless okay because i do like i uh i guess i just call it like the lds church sometimes yeah sure like sometimes because it's so much shorter right right but i always like to like respect whatever people prefer yeah it's i like, appreciate it's like that. pronouns but with spirituality right exactly i am a, a mormon uh church of jesus christ that's what you can say okay okay <laughs> well i don't yeah. know that i have any general questions except but more like personal to you because like yeah please i'm interested in your journey with faith did, were you born into it or did you find it later on yeah, I'm pretty bland in the sense that I was born into the faith. My dad also raised in the faith. Uh, mm. My mom was not. She converted when she was in her mid-20s, somewhere around there, met up with the with the guys on bicycles who mm -hmm. talked to her about the Book of Mormon. Um, the way that she got introduced to the church was actually through her dad. So her dad mm -hmm. got knocked on. These missionaries knocked on his door, talked to him, and he basically told them, I'm too old to really change my ways, but you need to visit my daughters. And he had three daughters and he sent <laughs> them all to his daughters. So my mom got yeah. visited uh, when she was in college and converted after reading through the book of Mormon. Um, but yeah, I've been raised in it and I have truly felt blessed in the sense that I have, had, I have many friends from high school who have mm. either seriously questioned their faith or left it altogether. And yeah. I have had, questions about practices within the church but i've never truly questioned my faith mm -hmm. uh, and i don't know that i have necessarily a good reason for that other than just my pure righteousness sure. no uh just yeah i just have always you know, been holy right right mm -hmm. uh i i truly feel just fortunate in that way and that's i think that's a very real perspective and story with it like i don't think it always has to be like I questioned it so hard. Like if it was working and there was no reason to question it, I think that's right. I mean, it's not to say that I'm, you know, I guess my relationship with, 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 you know, God, with heavenly father has not always been the best, you know, that mm -hmm. definitely goes through cycles and uh, there's definitely aspects of my own spirituality that I've had to learn. Um, and that I'm still evolving and learning. Uh, mm -hmm. But as far as like, formally or informally leaving my religion no never not part of your story right not part of my journey was there okay so then let's say what's another I, there's a few oh so two more questions that are there's two in my head so one yeah. is i guess what is your perspective and then also the church's perspective on like interfaith as far as like other religions and other spiritualities and stuff like Islam, Judaism, Christian, yeah. Catholic. Uh, so I, I guess my thought is, uh, you know, God talks to us all in, in different ways. I do firmly believe truth comes from one place and mm. that, that God, you know, our heavenly father and our heavenly mother really want us to come all back to them. Um, I think they use different vehicles to do that. I think Catholicism is one. I think Hindu is another, you know, you go through the, you know, I think Islam is another, you can go through every major religion. I think they all have aspects that really relate and parallel each other. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I guess fundamentally, though, I do believe and that my church's stance is one that I tend to agree with. In the end, sure. everyone's going to be Mormon. Absolutely everybody. We're all we're all getting baptized into the faith, either in this life or the next. Uh, but, it, you know, I guess in a sense, it doesn't really matter, right, what religion we are, as mm-hmm. long as we're being baptized by the right authority and that's really where you get into okay well then i guess it does matter what religion because that's you know that's all religion is in my mind is is this claim to authority Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah because i do uh well i don't and i don't know this super well but when i was in utah i saw was like the hist family history library yeah yeah is that what it is yeah in salt lake yeah in salt lake and Uh so i know that's an important thing too to trace your genealogy in order to like also like baptize people in the once they've passed as well right right so in order for like is the would the word be that you would use salvation or is it a different word um man so salvation is sort of for us a general like you make it into heaven kind of word mm-hmm. uh which yeah you have to be baptized in order to to have that happen um so i yeah. think in that sense yeah you're you're 100 percent right okay um, yeah, stuff is so interesting to learn yeah. about. Um, cool. That's a cool perspective. And then it's only it's like I feel like oh I want to ask like all these questions. There's so many. But sure. So I guess then where does morality come into play for your church and then also in your life as far as like both with like talking on stage with comedy, but like sin, like if yeah. uh whether it's i guess like what is the attitude towards sin in that as well those are like they're kind of they seem like separate questions but they came in yeah game. i think i understand what you're saying the way i've thought about this question if i understand you right is is mm-hmm. i don't view myself as putting on some sort of uh how can i put it like okay so we all have a persona that is on stage right? Mm-hmm. That's an aspect of ourself or, or just a character that we portray. I guess the way that I've felt most comfortable performing on stage is a somewhat exaggerated version of myself. Mm-hmm. So that being said, um, you know, I still hold myself to the standards that my church has, which is to keep, you know, your language clean, to mm-hmm. keep your actions clean. Um, so am I perfect? No, I'm not perfect. Off stage, I mean, I think like Jim Gaffigan has sort of this similar outlook where it's like, mm-hmm. I'm a parent, I slip up, I get super mad, and I curse and, and my home. But, yeah. you know, is that hypocritical to then be like, well, I don't do it on stage? Maybe. But hmm. it's know. an admitted yeah. hypocrisy, I suppose. Sure. Um, We're all like hypocritical in some right. Way, right and i guess you know the other thing is kind of this image which you know i think you sort of alluded to in the sense of like do i want to work clean for this show or you know what kind of audience do i really want to attract mm-hmm. um yeah i think it's it's acting i understand that i'm a representative whether i want to be or not of my faith as soon as totally. they find out what my faith is i think you're de facto a representative of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want people to be like shocked in a bad way. I want them to be shocked in a good way. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're surprised that this, this person believes this, because this isn't what I thought, but, and, it, and it's good. 
right in a sense where they may want to check it out yeah like oh that makes sense that he believes that i can get that as opposed to being like oh but he says this like he really believes this that's crazy Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. if we were to find if i were to find out that david cross was actually a mormon i would be floored you know Mm -hmm. or or ricky gervais like if one day we found out ricky gervais was truly a christian it'd be like what you know and i wonder about the effect of that because would it be for me, I feel like seeing them and finding out that they're Christian, it would be a huge shock, but I'd be intrigued. <laughs> right. Be yes. Like, okay. Let me let me see. Let me see how this connects. Although yeah. I feel like that I don't know. I don't know his, his story. Right. But, but you know, to get like uh say a, a Dave Chappelle or like a Brian Regan and be like, Oh, they have a true like religious bent to them, mm-hmm. that would make sense to me. I'd be like, Oh, sure. that's cool. I can see yeah. that. Yeah, is Chappelle he goes to a certain church? Uh I I don't know, honestly. Okay. I feel like there was something about his faith recently, maybe within the last few years in the news, oh, is but it like I don't Islam? know. Yeah, something like that. Something I like think that. he may I have forget. come out as that, but I don't yeah. really remember. Okay. Um so so in that but sense, yeah, for your uh yeah. yes, I do feel this pull to act or at least joke about certain things in a certain way on stage but that doesn't necessarily feel contrived to me because that is a way that I try to live my life even though Mm. I don't quite achieve my you know potential or or expectations all the time which I guess in that sense it's not hypocritical right it's like well this is my goal I'm really trying to achieve that it's authentic to your voice right exactly um so that all being said I have had the same struggles that I think you might have, you know, currently in inviting like a pastor or some of the congregational members to a show that you're on when it's like, mm-hmm. I'm not the only one performing. So, you know, I've done the bringer shows at the comedy store where I gave everybody, the only people I really knew were people in my faith. So yeah. I had to bring 10 of them and it was like, okay, I'm only going to be up there for five to six minutes. And I mm-hmm. can tell you that I'll work as clean as I can but I'm not going to make any sort of guarantee for anyone else on the show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I had some really good friends that would come out and be like, it was okay. And others being like, you know, at least you were clean, but mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I can come back because everyone else wasn't that clean, you know? Interesting. Yeah. So, so how do you, I mean, so what's the like level of, do you feel like you have a different level of strictness or like conservative, with um like comedy and your religion than others or Uh, within my own faith yeah yeah i think i'm definitely on the more liberal side for Mm. sure okay um i guess there are certain aspects of I, i don't know i mean i guess you could see like the true almost puritanical mormons being like well you shouldn't even go to a comedy club you know mm, just gotcha. the fact so that's that the you're extreme even, other end right it's like you shouldn't even expose yourself to that kind of moral depravity sure. um and, and you know i kind of come back with this thought of well jesus did i mean i don't understand like what's yeah you know totally. i guess we totally. all have our thresholds we all have our limits and for whatever reason you can call it pride whatever you want i feel like mm. i can be in that world and not be you know tainted to the point where i become like that you know what i mean yeah totally 
Like it's not like because Jesus was hanging out with prostitutes, prisoners, and and the sick, that now he was like tainted. He was like dealing drugs or whatever, whatever you would. Right, like in essence, you hang out in the in the cesspools of comedy. (laughs) Right, right. It's like that was his calling, and I kind of look at my calling a little bit as being a light in these places. Let me go and try to make it funny that these people have no morality you know like that's the way i view a lot of the people that are out there in the world they just have Mm -hmm. no moral compass whatsoever they do which is tough i empathize with that right because you don't know what it would be but you being that some light or like by an example maybe like oh why does this is this person happy and why does that make me feel less dark or whatever <laughs> sure that makes sense you know? yeah that's know. the that is the best way to put it jr that is the best yeah. way to put it um <laughs> yeah you know my persona i guess kind of comes out of the comedy that i've seen growing up which was uh you know i guess contemporary examples would be david cross dave uh, and uh ricky gervais who are pretty negative on the religion you know it's like mm, people who believe in religion are dumb or are close-minded and and if i can do anything in the conversation of comedy it is to say that that is not true you know religious people are very intelligent people not all of them but there are also some really dumb atheists that actually believe a lot of really spiritual things yeah it's like ironic that they're like taking there's some contradiction, like because atheism is also like almost a pa- as passionate as a belief as some religion, right? If you go to the again back to the zealot side of it, I wouldn't say yeah. everybody. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's interesting. So, so, so wait, you you said that you grew up with like David Cross and Ricky Gervais? No, I did not grow. No, I did not grow up oh. with them. I'm just saying those are contemporary examples of what I perceived when I watched stand up. Yeah. Gotcha. of this like negative bent on religion and you want to do the obvious opposite okay, and i gotcha. want to try to do the opposite yeah i see what you're saying okay yeah because is yeah. there ever has there ever been comics that you've like disagreed with in some way but enjoyed oh like i think both i i i think david cross is hilarious when he's yeah. not like he i think he does get into some sort of hateful tirades depending mm-hmm. on the bit but yeah. in general hilarious uh ricky gervais also very funny and you know louis ck in his last special and he's not been very uh closed about how anti-religious he is either Mm. um and it's not as like anti just so much as like well isn't that silly that's more kind of i think his sure uh tenor on it Uh, yeah yeah all very funny very talented comedians you know Mm -hmm. but but yeah, yeah, yes. I, I, I definitely find people hilarious and still disagree, you know? Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I guess for me, the problem is when I think it's coming out of a place of ignorance. Sure. You know, it's like, um, it's just like talking about race, there's stereotypes and there's actually true, like cultural right ways to understand it. Right. Right. And I would say the missing link is ignorance. just like yeah. With this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly um because all i mean yeah anyways i'll instead of commenting on it i want to hear more of your things <laughs> no no any comments you have are, are much appreciated well, to say because anything can look silly but if you start to understand like the real human justification of someone's belief you can understand it i think we can understand everyone's story um yeah 
atheist or believer. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. All it takes is a little bit of context, you know, some listening and context. Um, have you gotten like pushback from your church for anything, like whether it's comedy or even other? Yeah, I mean, certainly or, not yeah. anything formal either way. Um, yeah, and you know, people within my congregation have been really supportive. Um, so, so no, I, I haven't had anybody come up and be like, Hey, you shouldn't be doing this. Um, yeah. and I'm not nearly, maybe one day I'll be well known enough to where general authorities are commenting a little bit about, Hey, you know, yeah, <laughs> he, yeah, yeah he should either calm this down or something, but, but no, I, no, no, it's nothing been fine. like yeah. that. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what else, like, because I almost feel like it's, it's, I guess like, I don't know what to ask because I don't know what I don't know, but, sure. um, well, do you have, okay. Do you have a understanding of like the afterlife for yourself that, that you believe in? Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I think when you said waiting room, I was just like, dude, JR, all you need are two of my friends to come to your house, my man. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, in, in Mormon theology, the, uh, what we understand the afterlife to be is immediately after death, we go to this place called either spirit prison or spirit paradise, which are not necessarily physical different places. We think it's mm -hmm. all in this world. It's just a state of being, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. So the baptism is uh, what allows us to move from a spirit sort of prison state, which is kind of feeling trapped, right? Or like, oh, I should have done X, Y, or Z in my life. And one of those things is definitely being baptized to a space of spirit paradise, which is a more hopeful outlook on the rest of eternity, right? This idea mm. of, oh, I can progress. There's something else that I can do. So that's kind of the waiting room until you know, resurrection and judgment. And then when we are judged, which I believe is going to be a pretty personal event, mm -hmm. one that's probably just going to be between us and Jesus Christ. And I think Jesus Christ will just be like, Hey, uh, you kind of know where you're supposed to end up. Right. And we'll mm. be like, yeah, I kind of know where I'm supposed to go. Mm. And Mormon heaven and hell is kind of what you described in the sense that we believe this traditional idea of hell as being very small, right? As, as far as population goes yeah. and heaven being really, really big and that there are sort of three states of being in heaven. So these three kingdoms of heaven, I don't know if you've heard any talk about that, but mm -hmm. uh, what we believe in being like the highest, highest of heavens is exaltation which is where men and women are together and they're making planets and making mm, spirit mm. babies that go down to those planets mm. and essentially continue the cycle that we're in right now. Gotcha. Yeah. It's like, it's like a, the hugest form of like creation. You get yes. to be part of creation in some way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's cool to hear so this, it and like try to understand it. Um, yeah. So this is why I say there's so many you know, parallels depending on, or regardless of which religion you look at, right? So if you look at like Hindu with Nirvana, where you become part of the whole, to me, that's like, well, that's it. That's how we become part, part of creation. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's, it's a great way because I think it's easy for people to start to like, just try to like, because this isn't the way they see it. It's crazy or something. Right. 
But then when you try to find similarities in order to understand it, it's like, oh, this is, that's like, I can see it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, I understand it this way. They might understand it this way, but at least I understand why, you know, the appeal of the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's like the the unifying thing, like being part of creation is like the highest form of joy or spirituality. Right. And I think some people think of, of my faith as truly like American, not necessarily, I mean, a big part of it is because, you know, Joseph Smith was Was, born in New York and was our prophet of the restoration, but there's a very like strong sense of identity and sense of self throughout Mm -hmm. Mormon theology, which is not something that is really valued in other cultures for better, Mm -hmm. for worse. Right. Like, it's a very American idea to be like, Oh, well, I am important, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's not just me as part of a collective. What is that? What is that philosophy? Like, what is Uh, that? What does that come from? Or what's the like belief in that? I'm interested. Cause I don't know if I know that part of it. Well, I think it's just the, the, it's just a common theme. It's not necessarily like, I guess what I will say is we believe that we had and existed individually before this life as intelligence so there was something unique about us that was unique and us for forever and eternal right then we become these spirit children born from a heavenly father and a heavenly mother and gain a spirit body then we come down to this earth and we gain a physical body with our earthly parents Mm. but there's always this like thread of your spirit or your essence that is still you and that is still mm. fundamentally you and gotcha. and unique from from heavenly father or unique from heavenly mother or unique from each other right yeah yeah and there are other religions where it's like well your your goal is kind of to lose yourself right sure. to to completely lose yourself and there's a similar idea within mormon theology in the sense of sacrifice mm-hmm. but it's not like i want to give up myself and become 100% like jesus or 100 percent like anybody else it's hmm. to, to do the right things but still be me you know that's interesting yeah it is a novel idea that's why i'm fascinated by it because i have heard a lot more things in other religions that's like losing self or like whatever not that that's the only way so i'm right. interested in the ones that are like because i also think let's take not in a spiritual format but like psychology you know, they, even they say like when you're of service or something, it gets you out of your own worry. Yeah. But then there's also a truth to the point of uh, what's the metaphor of you put your own mask on before you put your kid's mask on on the airplane. Oh, sure. The airline. Yeah. Yeah. Like you do, you do stuff to take care of yourself. And yeah. so it's, it just seems healthy to have that thought. So I'm interested in, in a religious context, how they celebrate a sense of self, because it's one that I don't hear all the time. Yeah, I think this, I mean, the way I've I've thought about it is more in the idea of spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're given certain attributes, certain lights, certain gifts that, you know, like this light, don't hide your light under a bushel. Yeah, I love that idea. Yeah, it's like, well, that's your essence, right? Like that's certain aspects of yourself that are truly good and that probably aren't 100% like anybody else and that's why it's your light you know Mm -hmm. it's it's part of what makes you 
you and allows Heavenly Father to work with you yeah. to bring others to It's almost like a him. disservice to be ashamed of your light, of your gift. Yeah, Whereas, exactly. You, know, you should celebrate it. And yet, and it's a thing like to work on because I think it can be seen, we, we can feel, oh, I'm being cocky or I'm being this or that. Right. And we're taught to like put the bushel yeah. over our light or minimum, <laughs> like make ourselves smaller. Yeah. And I think we do that in the sense of like, don't take glory to yourself, push glory to God. Right. And mm-hmm. yeah, but uh, there is this weird kind of juxtaposition or, or I guess dichotomy and like, yes, I do give glory to God for what he has helped me do, but mm-hmm. I still had the motivation to do it. I think we can be proud of things that we have accomplished with his help. Yeah. And, and acknowledge his help. That's what I think is most important. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Uh, well, I have to run for uh, the next thing here in a second. Yeah, but man. I want to ask. You've taken more than enough time with me. I really. Well, I was going to ask one it. more question. Do you yeah. feel like you know what your like spiritual gifts are? Whew. Um, Tough one, huh? Right, right. That's a that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> how can I do that? I mean, how can you do this without bragging? I'm so humble. Uh, I'm like the yeah, most humble person I know. Yeah, um, I'm very wealthy. Is that a spiritual right? gift? I think I think I know how to marry wealthy and intelligent people. Yeah, that's, that's a skill. Uh, no, I think my one of my spiritual gifts is making friends. And I mm. really think that is something that I am good at. And that cool. is truly a gift because it's a hard thing to learn uh, yeah. how to make friends. So yeah, that's awesome. But I don't know. You tell me, Jr. How uh, how good? Yeah, I didn't I? feel that at all. Yeah. Really. Well, I guess you just need to <laughs> repent, or I need to repent. It's I don't my know fault. <laughs> You're like, this is my light. This is something this is wrong it, with you. Dude. Uh, yeah. Jr. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that because after the show, you know, you're very personable and. I felt like easily, you know, connected with you. And so it's like, I could definitely see that as like a, as a spiritual gift. Yeah. Well, thank you we so are. much, man. Here and here we are, conversing. dude. We finally made it happen. Uh, I'm so excited to get this one out and uh, out to the masses. Where, where can people find you? Anything you want to tell them to, um, to see or to see. check out? You can find me online. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Instagram, J-R-D-G-U-Z. Facebook, just J.R.D. Guzman. Uh, TikTok, J-R-D-E-G-U-Z. Yeah. And then YouTube, J.R.D. Guzman. And, and jrdguzman.com, which is yes. where you can find all of the handles and upcoming exactly. shows, which you're starting to get back into, which is fantastic. Now that the world is opening back up. J.R., this has been so much fun, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. This is a blast. I was really looking forward to doing this. Yeah, so was I. And I'm so glad that it worked out as well as it did. I've been, uh, I mean, this has just been a great conversation. Yeah. Oh, also, every time I'm looking over here, I'm looking at you. I just need yeah. To <laughs> no, you're good. I've been she trying to know. like look at the camera every once in a while. I have to glance down to actually see your face. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's Zoom. This is the world of <laughs> Zoom, which hopefully will end forever in like a month, you know? It's coming. It's coming, baby. Anyway, JR, thank you so much. I hope to see you back at the nightcap sometime soon in Burbank. Yeah. Uh, but, dude, so good Most to definitely. see you again. Thank you, You too, man. brother. All right. All right. Catch you Bye. soon.